Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to understand what you want to teach us today, that we might be encouraged and strengthened, that we might know more about how you want us to to behave as a community and as individuals. So, Father, we just thank you that you are our master and the teacher that goes before us. We give you praise. In Master Yeshua's name, we give thanks. Amen. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're in chapter 29. Hopefully that's my slide. And uh, so what are we going to talk about today? Oh, made it. <laughs> You'd be very surprised, Ward. I would, while he was reading the, the uh, I looked down and my cable was disconnected. And I'm like, I hope Ward doesn't know that. I plug it back in. Please let it all work. <laughs> so thank you, Father, for letting everything work real well. So children, youth, young at heart, we're going to talk about and learn about the ordination of the priest. Last week we talked about the priest's garments and how that applies to you. Today we're going to talk about the ordination of the priest and how that applies to you. So we're going to start in our Torah portion today. And I am I'm not doing anything about the, uh, the ear, the thumb, and the toe. So if you've got something, be, be uh, free to speak about it. Um, in, in another area on there. So, okay. 29 verse 1. So I want to remind you, you have all been set apart to serve Him. We're going to get into that because the New Testament uses a singular word, but it isn't singular, it's plural. So in verse 1 of 29, it says, And this is the task you shall do to them, to set them apart. No singular word, is there? To serve me as priest, take one bull, one young bull and two rams, perfect ones. And here's what I want you to pay attention to. Unleavened bread. Hmm. Unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Make these of wheat flour. How did this happen? So keep this unleavened bread in your mind as I'm going to connect some things here for us all. As we move forward, then you shall bring Aharon and his sons to the door of the tent of meeting, and you will baptize them in water. Hmm. Have you all been washed? Amen. And the priesthood shall be theirs for an everlasting Torah. You shall ordain Aharon and his sons. Have you all been ordained? But the flesh of the bull and its side, and by the way, those of you that are new, we have an open mic here. So if you have comments or questions, you can raise your hand. The mic will make its way to you, and you can comment. Uh, you, shall, uh, you shall hide, it, and its hide and refuse you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a chatat offering. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but those of you that are new, I want to remind you that this Hebrew word chatat 
I've highlighted in yellow really what it is. It's, it's, a, it's referring to sin of death. What was nailed to the cross? Sin and death. A sin that must be punished by death. So these are sins that had death sentence to them. In other words, you might say uh, it is a punishment offering. So when the Messiah went on the tree, it says that he bore our punishment and by his stripes, the word healing means, it really means restored. We've been brought back in. We've been restored and healed back into the family through those stripes. So that's what's happening here with this sin offering, not all the other sins that, have a, that don't have a death sentence with it. Okay. Exodus 29, 19. Then you shall take the other ram, and Aharon and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. I know that he's not laying his head on ram here, but closest I can get for you to see what's going on here. And what you need to see here is in this verse, there is a standalone olive tov. You see it highlighted in red. Standalone olive tov in this verse, okay? And you can see it's and how many of you know what, well, I put it up here. A yil is a ram or a what? I'm going to make a connection to Yeshua uh, being the ruler that uh, went on the tree for, for that sin and death. Okay? All right, you guys are being very quiet. Verse, go ahead, Bob. <laughs> one and two or four and nine? Yes. Okay, there's one and two. Put up on the screen, please. Which one? Uh, 29, one and two. This is one and two. Oh, I mean up on the screen. Oh, okay. A little slow there, wow. So I think part of the beginning here is understanding the definition between ordination, um, consecration, and sanctification. We often take those words, use them lightly, but we know that uh, to sanctify means to set apart. Yes. And prior to being sanctified, you could say we're empty. We don't have that mark of Messiah. So when you continue through here, if you notice, it says take one young bull, two rams. Then it goes into the unleavened bread, the cakes, and the wafers. Why? We have the animals, which are a symbol of redemption. Then you have the unleavened. So he is the lamb of God who takes away our sins. Yes. But then you look at the unleavened bread, the cakes, and the wafers. That's a symbol of regeneration. And that comes more from, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Mm -hmm. So you have the redemption and you have the regeneration. You have the mark. If you go to the next slide, please. Sorry, thanks for prepping these for me. <laughs> It means, you go to number nine, 29.9, uh, so you shall ordain Aharon and his son, sorry, 
when you read that in the Hebrew, it's umuleta ya aharon. And that means to fill his hands. Yes. So prior to us having the mark, we have our hands are empty. So when we approach the Father, we are to come with something in our hands. And in our hands is that mark of Messiah. So again, so as we approach, sorry, I'm kind of look at some of my slides. Before you even get to that part, now you jump up to four. You have it right there already. You have to be washed. You have to be clean. Yes. And this all, too, is tied into the tabernacle, of course, when you look at the altar. And it's tied into the first century when Yeshua and the apostles, the stuff they're going through is all right around what we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. So these first nine, well, not just the first nine, the whole entire book, but these first nine tie together with the redemption, the regeneration, the washing of the cleansing, and then coming to the Father with the mark of Messiah in our hands prior to coming and accepting him, our hands are empty. It reminds me of the passage where you you put your hands to the plow. So how many people have their hands empty and they're not putting their hands to the work and the task? So the priests have their hands full. They are literally doing the work of the family of the tabernacle. They're not just sitting around watching things being done. They're involved in getting into it as the Messiah did and as he asked the apostles to do. Thank you, Bob. So, the ruler, keep this ruler in your mind as we make connections. And it shall be from the children of Israel for Aharon and his sons by a Torah forever. Or is that just until Yeshua dies on the tree? For it is a contribution, and it is a contribution from the children of Israel from their Shalemim offering. And we talked about this last week, the Shalemim offering, the peace offering is an offering that is shared with the priests and it's shared with him because this offering is to him, but he's sharing it with the priesthood. They get to partake of this offering. They get to partake of this ruler. Hmm. Yes. In Exodus 22... It states, and you shall take the fat of one ram, of the ram, and the fat trail, and the fat coverings, the entrails, and the appendage of the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat on them, and the right thigh. It is for a man of ordinance, but pardon me for not knowing, but what's entrails? What's what? Entrails. That's the inside of the uh, uh, abdomen cavity. Like the guts. Guts, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one word that describes it all, yeah. So we are making uh, the connection here of our Messiah that the peace offering, the sharing with him, and we're going to get into that some more. And it says, And the set apart garments of Aharon are for his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be ordained in them. So the garments and the people to be anointed and ordained. That's why I'm asking, are you anointed and are you ordained? The priest from his sons in his place puts them on for two days. No. For seven days. Let's see. 
it was talking about unleavened bread and un, unleavened cakes, and this is going on for seven days. Hmm. When he enters the, tea, the, the tent of meeting to attend in the set-apart place and takes the ram of ordination and cook its flesh in a set-apart place, and Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ruler. And the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tent of meeting. Connections, connections. Stay with me. And they shall eat those offerings with which the atonement was made. Let's see. Yeshua is the offering that the atonement is made. And he raised the bread and said, this is my body, eat. He was the peace offering. And he's telling the, the, the apostles that are fixing to be ordained through seven days of unleavened bread. And he says, eat, this, this, you, this is my body, you must eat this. Because they have to fellowship in this meal with him because it pictures what's going on here. So as you see in Matthew 26, 26, he says, take some of the bread and after a blessing, he broke it, gave it to the disciples. He says, take, eat, this is my body. Fellowshipping in the meal. Eating the ruler that's been presented here as a peace offering, as a fellowship offering to the apostles because they're getting ready to go on one of the greatest missions that the Almighty has sent anyone on. And it's a big task. They not only have to be ordained, but they've got to be anointed because to be anointed means that, that you're now prepared and ready for the Holy Spirit to come upon them when it happens in Acts chapter 2. And this is why I believe that the Messiah told them, don't leave Jerusalem, you've got to stay here because your ordination isn't complete yet. We have some, uh, saw a hand, Paul. You can, whatever you want to share, we can, everything's worth repeating twice. One of the things that I wanted to bring out is that who did the washing in verse four? Yeah, we talked about that. And, and so it wasn't Aaron washing himself. It wasn't the priest washing himself because they didn't have the authority to cleanse themselves. So the highest authority on earth at that time would have been Moshe. So it's Moshe that's actually washing them in verse 4. And that's a one-time deal that he does it because that's the setting them up for the ordination and the consecration process to serve. We have that same parallel in John chapter 13, where Yeshua does the washing. Because we don't have the authority, it has to come from a higher source. And the highest source that it can come from is the same way that uh, Yahuwah told Moshe that you will serve as Elohim to Aaron, and he will be a mouth. So, it's a symbol of Elohim washing those who were going to be serving. And so you go for it, fast forward all the way to John, and here's Yeshua. Now he's washing. And Peter says, no, I'm not me. And he says, then you can have no part of me because it's part of that 
process. Can you imagine all of the pictures we're now we're presenting forward? So you see that Yeshua is washing them as Moses did. He's preparing them. And what do they do after they get washed by him? Just like Moshe, when he washes Aaron and Aaron washes the sons, they now start washing the people. So the disciples go out and they're baptizing everybody in his name. And so you, all of this is coming back to our portion here of it's all, as we always know, everything is pointing to the Mashiach, our Messiah. And now we start getting understanding of why, why he had to raise the bread, why there's the washing, the baptism, why is, the, is it necessary for a fellowship meal? Why did the ruler, the ram, have to, to die? It's all here. And he says, and you shall do to Aharon and his sons according to all I have commanded you. Seven days you shall ordain them. Is it coincidental that unleavened bread is seven days and they're having unleavened bread here at this meal? I mean, it's pretty interesting, really, when you think about it. Nothing's by accident. So for seven days you shall make atonement for the altar, set it apart. The altar shall be most set apart. Whoever touches the altar is to be set apart. This is what you prepare on the altar. Two lambs. Is your Messiah the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world? Okay. So your Messiah, the Lamb of God, went on the altar. He was the one Lamb that went on the altar at 9 a.m. in the morning. And he's the Lamb that went to die on that stake in the evening at the 3 o'clock time. So this is another picture of what's happening with your Messiah dying on this tree. He goes on there at 9 a.m. at the very time it says that the lamb is supposed to go on, and he dies at the very time that the lamb is supposed to die at 3 p.m. So if you haven't ever heard this, if you're new here, so just bear with us. How, okay, we'll back up. I want to ask a question. How many of you have your alarms go off at 9, and 3, 9 a.m. and 3 p.m.? I want to say something to you. The more that we get cohesive and unified, the more we get together and unified in what we're doing, the more the Spirit works in the community. The more that we worship, the more that we're echad, the more that we're one together, because the enemy wants to divide, he wants to separate. He doesn't like that cohesiveness. He doesn't want everybody together in the same mind, the same heart, the same purpose. And so here we are. I, I can't tell you how many times I think about it as I'm saying the Shema. I'm thinking about all the faces of you all saying that Shema, and it is so uplifting. It is so uplifting. Yes. This isn't a question. It's just an interesting observation that hit me. Could you go back one picture, please? Yeah. When I saw that, it, the cloud from there, it's totally off the subject, but I saw Manoah going up in the fire offering of Samson's wife that time. And I have no idea what the connection is, but there's something there maybe somebody else sees. But I just, I don't know if you can see it. It's like a, a, prof, pro, a profile, his head, shoulders, his arms are like this, holding his hands and then down and like his robe kind of is just below his knees and then his, his calves and feet are in the fire. 
So whose name is too wonderful? Yes, whose name is too wonderful? Yes. I just have a quick question. Is there currently a high priest in Israel? Is there what? Currently a high priest in Israel. No. Not amongst the, what you see in this system here. Uh, we have a high priest in, amongst the nation of Israel as far as a Melchizedek high priest that is functioning in that role in a much better place, much better offerings, much better than anything could be done here on earth in the highest of heavens. So, yeah, he's, he's the one functioning for us, the mediator between us and, and uh, the Father, yes. Yeah, Brother Mark, I was wondering, like, the third hour and the ninth hour, is it wrong, like, at 45 degrees between the horizon and the Zohar, prime noon, to call that, like, being hot or being, like, 45 degrees in the morning, 45, when you see the sun at that? Like I think the- it was. I think it's a marker, and so, and this is my interpret. This is Mark's idea, Mark's thought, because I know that everything is. He does things. The heavens and everything are on visuals. Uh, the whole declaring the beginning of the month and all these. It's all based on visuals, and so I'm when I'm out looking, and you know, got morning, so that the horizons are the even, uh, straight up noon, and so when I look between straight up and the horizon. Yeah, it's, it's almost on the money at 9 a.m. and the other one at 3 p.m. It's really, really crazy. And so you, you really see that, the, I mean, by visual, they can see it's the evening offering time. And so, yeah, I think that God put that there to give them the idea of when this was to take place. Lastly, locally, like in Alaska, you know what I'm going with? <laughs> yeah. That's kind yeah. of the tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Thank goodness they've got a clock, right? <laughs> Go ahead, Ralph. Yeah, Rabbi, I can't think of right off where it's at, but you may recall, uh, we are told, not asked, at 9 and 3 to give prayer to him. Yes, I'm fixing to put it up. <laughs> it's here in Acts 3.1 and Acts 10.30. So it says here, and prepare the other land between the evenings. The, the Greek word for that is in the afternoon towards evening. Well, that would mean before sunset and would have to mean after high noon, which is kind of why I'm showing the picture that I have here. Yes, Leota. Um, Somewhere along in my travels, (laughs) I have heard, and I've never researched it, somebody can do that, you researchers, people's over there, um, that every miracle that Yeshua did was performed at either 9, 12, or 3. Well, and we I see think that would be interesting. What were the three times Daniel was praying facing yeah. towards Jerusalem? So we, I mean, there's there's so many examples t- that I can give you that nine and three. I mean, Elijah is mocking the false prophets at the three p.m. time, and I will say that there's some really amazing things that happen at the three o'clock time. I mean, not to mention Yeshua's death, but Elijah, uh, Daniel is visited by the angel. At the 3 p.m. prayer time. And, and, and then Cornelius is visited by the angel at 3 p.m. And he says here, right here in Acts 10.30, Cornelius says, four days ago to this very hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. He's at this 3 p.m. time praying, the time that God asked for it. And by the way, this right here, this 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., in Numbers chapter 28, it says it's a Moed. 
It's a meeting. Just like the feast. It's, a, it's an appointment. So we're to meet him. Can we pray any other time of the day? Sure, David says he prayed at midnight. You can pray anytime you want, but you better show up at the times that he asked for a meeting. Amen. This is when you want to present something. And does it have to be an hour prayer? No. Because if I, I can't bring the bull, I bring a goat. If I can't bring the goat, I can bring two turtle doves. It's not about the size of the offering. It's that I came with something to, sh- to, to bring. Yes. Is it also because, you know, you're saying it's not the size of the offering, but isn't it also the heart of the offering? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm wanting to give one. And so if I've only got... You know, if, if I'm in a place I can only give the Shema, I'm just going to give the Shema. So my other, my other thing, I, the, so you said something that was interesting, that it's specifically at the 3 p.m. offering time that powerful things happen. It's interesting that you say that because the meaning of the number three is like a number of completion. Like Yeshua, he rose on the third day. Mm-hmm. And Jonah, he was, he was in the heart, he was in the fish for three, three days and three nights, and then the three o'clock, and then this, it's just like spotted throughout scripture, threes, threes all over the place. They have a powerful meaning. It's a meaning of completion. What hit me like a ton of bricks when I first saw this was that our king is going to lay his offering, Messiah Yeshua, on that tree at 9 a.m. when he's asking for an offering, and dies at three. So he's doing just what he's asked us to do. So he's following the same protocol. He's not sidestepping anything. He's following the Torah exactly and precisely. Yes. I, um, I, I really appreciate what you brought up about unity in, in that if the body could get together and pray yes. at nine and three, you know, I, it's not hard to look around at other religions and see what they're doing. Now, the enemy obviously isn't going to cause division in their ranks because it's not a true religion, right? But what is he doing in ours? But imagine where we would be if we had that same kind of, you know, unity that we see in these other pagan religions going on, you know? And, and, you know, one of the things that, this is only our second week here, and and we really are enjoying it, but one of the the first things that struck me when we came here was, I spoke with you and you said, we're, we're not going to get into, you know, how you say the father's name or how you say the son's name or, you know, any of that. And we've been to so many places where it's like, oh, no, that's not the right way to say it. You know, this, that, all these fragmented, stupid little arguments yep. that cause division yep. rather than looking at, at, you know, like you're pointing out that it's an appointment. Yep. Okay, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah, amen. You know what I mean? And that's important for us to know that, you know, rather than focusing on, well, you know, I don't like your hair color, your dress, or you know, <laughs> this, that, or the other stupid thing. Ridiculous it's like, stuff. Right. It's like, what does the word say we're supposed to be doing? Yeah. And there's so much that we don't have time to get caught up in all these petty little arguments about how you're not doing it the way I'm doing it. To add to that, Amen. yes, yes. To add to that, we should be more worried about what glorifies him and edifies him than what is edifying ourselves with what we think someone should be doing or not doing. Let's get fast-tracked on our king and what pleases him. Yes. Hey, Rabbi, isn't it true that at the 3 o'clock hour, graves were opened up and the dead walked? And the Holy of Holies, which is, I forget, 10 inches or 14 inches thick with skins, 
just crashed and fell open to the ground. Yeah, very important stuff. I'm going to give you a couple of other scriptures for this. So Psalm 141.2 says this, May my prayer be counted as incense before you, which the incense was given at 9 and 3, uh, the lifting of my hands as the evening offering. He's praying, May my lips, like Hosea says, that substituting for the bulls, May my hand spread out to you towards heaven, and I'm praying to you and worshiping, glorifying. May it be as worthy and counted as good as this evening offering. Ezra 9.5 says, At the evening offering I rose from my humiliation. At the evening offering. Even with my garment and my robe torn, and I fell on my knees and stretched out my hands to Yahuwah, my Elohim, and I prayed. That's powerful stuff. They knew when to invoke the name when it was, it's the meeting time. The meeting time. And this is why we have service at 3 p.m. because that whole dance and worship is at the evening offering time, glorifying the king, rising up as a sweet aroma to the Most High. At the time, he's, and I can just see it now, Gabriel's going, look, Yahuwah, look at him praising you. Yes, okay. Daniel 9.21 says this, While I was still speaking in prayer, then the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. And there's more New Testament scriptures that I didn't pull up about the hour of prayer. So just, just when you're searching, just type in hour of prayer, and you'll see the New Testament uh, um, examples, yes. One of the things that our alarm set at three and nine do for us is it helps us to stop yes. when we're in the middle of something, going our own way or about our own agenda or tasks for the day and turn our attention to the Almighty, even if it is just for a brief moment, if Amen. we don't have the time. Amen. And I want to add something. This is maybe a little on the silly or out there side. <laughs> But um, several years ago, I spent some time not well, and I could not do anything but just um, stay still and um, just rest. And it was interesting because Mark would open up the windows when he would go to work and leave. And I noticed something that I didn't notice going about my everyday life journey tasks is that at nine and three, when you just stop and listen, it's amazing how, I don't know if it's a particular bird or all the birds, but they would chirp during that nine and 10 o'clock hour and the three and four o'clock hour. Amazingly, I would hear them. So I don't know, stop where you are and listen at nine and three to the birds around you. And uh, yeah, it's quite amazing. Glorifying the creator at the time he asked for it. Awesome. Okay. A continual burnt offering for your generations? Or is it just until Yeshua comes? By the way, when, the, when it says in Daniel that the daily sacrifices have ceased, it's referring to this offering, these two offerings. These two offerings are the daily offerings. And so when mankind stopped doing these two offerings, literally the offering ceased. But I want to tell you something. 
when it picked up again, it has commenced. Because we see the scripture references that they're, they're asking that these prayers be counted as if they were there at the altar presenting that offering by smoke. So what an amazing thing that the, the offerings have commenced in the ones that he has set apart. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. And he says, And there I shall meet with the children of Israel, and it shall be set apart by my esteem, my glory. And I shall set apart the tent of meeting and the altar, and Aaron and his sons I shall set apart. The, my twelve apostles, I will set them apart, because I've already given a 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. offering. I've already fellowship meal with them. I baptize them. I'm anointing in them, and I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit, and they're going to go out on the mission for my purpose. What happens here? Same thing. And I will dwell, and watch this, the Hebrew or the Greek says, I will be invoked among the sons of Israel, and I will be their God. What do we say at the ironic blessing? It's the invoking. And I will invoke my name among the sons of Israel, and I will bless them. So at this 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., guess what? When you're praying, you're invoking his name at the 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. offering time. And what an amazing thing. I, I can only imagine the rejoicing that heaven is doing and all the angels when they see, look at them. Look at those candles burning down there. Look at those flames flickering. They are giving an offering to you. It's a rising up. We can smell it. It's so sweet. Man, it's awesome to be a part of that as one body, as a people. And it's not just us. You, you heard me play that video that we were in Ariel, Israel, in the northern kingdom land. And that woman said she was blown away that all of us that were non-Jewish stood up and said the Shema at 3 p.m. Blown away. And she said, because you did that, I don't care what anyone else says, I know who you are now. I know who you are. Who else would be doing it but the people that are part of the book, right? It's an amazing thing. Invoke him at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. So, we're talking about ordination, so I want to mention to you there are three steps of appointment in this ordination. The first is to be divinely chosen. The Levites, it's Hebrews 5.4, and no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aharon was. Here's our master, Hebrews 5.5. So also the Messiah did not extol himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have brought you forth. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, divinely chosen. And here's you people. In 1 Peter, which is our New Testament portion today, you, now, this isn't a singular word in the Greek. It's you is plural here. So I'm going to say it the way it should be. You all are a chosen race, a royal priesthood set apart as a nation, a people for a possession that you should proclaim the praises, invoke his name, who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. That's who you people are. So that's the chosen. 
And then there's the second process is anointing. Exodus 29.7, our portion. Then you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. Our master, how Elohim did anoint Yehushua of Nazareth with the set-apart spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the adversary, for Elohim was with him. And here's your anointing. John 2.20 And you have an anointing from the set-apart one and you all know it. You've been anointed. You've been anointed. You've been set apart. The whole process for the priesthood is happening with you. And then the third step is the sanctification. The Levites in Exodus 28, 36, you shall make a plate of clean gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of signet, set apartness to Yahuwah. Here's our master. And for them I set myself apart, so that they might be set apart in truth. And here's you guys, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he has perfected all for all time who are being set apart. Yes, you've been set apart just like the priest. So all these steps that the priest, that Yeshua went through, you have been through them because you've been called for a purpose. What an amazing thing to be at the tip of the spear, to be the ones who've been called to do this in these last days. Oh, how awesome it is. And then the third step is the teaching. Here's the Levites, Deuteronomy 33.8. And of Levi, he said, For they have guarded your word and watched over your covenant. They teach your right rulings to Jacob and your Torah to Israel. They put incense before you and a complete burnt offering on your altar. So at 9 a.m. 3 are you putting an incense before him? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And here's the master. But when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, he taught, uh, his taught ones came to him. And having opened his mouth, he was teaching them, saying. So yes, he's teaching just like the Levites. And here's you guys. Hebrews 5.12. For indeed, although by this time you ought to be teachers, should be teachers, he's scolding them, but you need someone to teach you again the first elements of the words of Elohim, and you have become such as need milk and not solid food. Yes, we're to be teachers of his word, which is exactly what the Levites were doing. Okay? That's you. Second step of the um, ministry, offering sacrifices. And we've talked about that already. Moshe said to Aaron, go to the altar, prepare your sin offering and your burn offering, make atonement for yourself. Our master, but Messiah, having become high priest of the coming good matters through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of his creation, entered into the most set-apart place once for all, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, having obtained redemption for us all. And here you guys are. You also, as living stones, again, the word you is you all, are being built up a spiritual house a set-apart priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim through Yahushua, your Messiah. What a connection. I mean, you can't get any more clear than what has just been presented, that this is who you are, this is what you've been called to do. Now get busy and realize what you're to be. If the, the, if the apostles accomplished what they did, my goodness, think of what you're going to do. And then the last is the interceding. The Levites in Exodus 28, 29, 
They shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate. Yeshua, therefore he also was able to save completely those who draw near to Elohim through him and ever, ever living to make intercession for them. And here's you. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all men. Yes, you've been called to be intercessors, just as the priesthood and just as the master was. God's got a plan for you. You're, you're, you've been brought into the knowledge. You've been brought into fellowship. You've been brought into the set-apartness. So we stop there? We stop there at being set apart? No. Imagine the priest, Aaron, going, yeah, this is great. We've been set apart, sanctified. All right, everybody, let's go take a break here. No. There's lots of work to be done in the kingdom. So we're going to transition here as we're closing to our New Testament portion. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because it's all about you. 1 Peter 2.1 Having put aside then all evil, all deceit, all hypocrisies, all denying or all, all proclaiming the Torah is done away with. Desire the unadulterated milk of the word in order that you may grow by it if indeed you have tasted that the master is good. How many of you have tasted it and seen that it is good? Yes? So stop the foolishness. Remember who you are called to be. He will use someone else if you don't step into your role. Drawing near to him a living stone rejected indeed by men. Have you been rejected by people that you know? Sounds like you're a little bit like the Messiah. And here, every time you see the word you in red, it's plural. So I've, I've, these ones I've highlighted for you. You all also, as living stones, are built up, spiritual house, set apart, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. We read that, verse 6. Because it is contained in the Scripture. See, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, chosen, precious, and he who believes on him shall by no means be put to shame. The, the Greek word can really be narrowed down to disappointed. Now, why would they say that? Because if I believe in him, I believe in his promises. I'm not going to be disappointed at the result of those promises because he's going to make sure they happen. All the promises he said, I'm not going to be disappointed. I won't be let down. Every promise that he has said, I'm going to see it be completed and fulfilled. It's going to happen. My eyes are going to behold the promises of Elohim. No disappointment for any of us. This is preciousness then is for you all who believe. Now, we're going to make a connection with belief and disobedience here. But to those who are disobedient, here's your connection, the stone, even, which the builders rejected, has become, this word chief is the, if you were part of the, what Paul said about women, this is the word head that's used in the same, same thing. So, head. Has become the head cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock that makes for falling. And who stumble because they are disobedient to what? The Word. Is the New Testament written here? No. To which they were also appointed. So remember that the word stone is uh, Aleph, Bet, Nun. So the Aleph and Bet is father, the Bet and Nun is son. 
So you have the unity, one, the Father and the Son, in the word stone. Very interesting. Okay. Now, our prophet portion combined with our New, Test- or New Testament portion says this, But you all shall be called priests of Yahuwah, prophetic word fulfilled. So here is a prophetic word going forward, and our New Testament portion says you all are, are now entering into it, the fulfillment of what he just said. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, set apart. Proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. So who did he call out of darkness? Who? Hosea 1.8 says this, And she weaned lo Ruhamah and conceived and bore a son. Then he said, Call his name Lo-Ami. You are not my people and I'm not for you. So in verse 10 of 1 Peter 2, he says, You were once Lo-Ami, not a people. Referring back to what Hosea said. Because he's speaking to the same people that Yeshua said he came for, which is the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's saying, you people who were once low of me, not a people that he proclaimed to you, what does he say? Now you're the people of Elohim, who had not obtained compassion. Where do we find that? Hosea 1.6, he says, she conceived again and bore a daughter, and he said to him, call her name, no compassion. I mean, this is so easy to get who he's referring to. He's, he's speaking in a language. He's talking to a people that get it because they know who they are. They know they're the rejected ones. They know they're the ones who didn't have compassion. They know they're the ones who were not a people. But he's telling them, you've been brought back to the family through the blood of the Messiah. And he's, he's about to make the outcast the priesthood. Woo! He's going to turn the outcast into the priesthood. What an amazing thing. Yes. We've talked about this, that everywhere you've mentioned you all is not a directive to you all go out individually and do this, but you all become ehad as one yes. people, as one nation, yes. and work as one body together. And when you do, the Ruach can move through you Amen. because these commands are not Amen. to one person to go out individually, <laughs> but to you all as a people collectively go out. Say it, Donnie. So you're saying we're Israel. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. So one of the reasons it's very important when we pick up a name or we say that we're Christians or following Yeshua and we don't understand the Torah or the Tanakh or the Old Testament is we will miss connections like what's here in uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, 1, 2, 5, and so on. Because where it says that you are a chosen race, that's Deuteronomy 10, 15. That's Isaiah 43.20, where you are a royal priesthood. That's Isaiah 61.6, a set-apart nation. That is Exodus 19.6 and Deuteronomy 7.6. So when you look at the patterns of what it means and how did they get to be set apart, what were their functions? The set-apart nation, they didn't all function as the priests, like in the Levites. And all the, pre- all the Levites, they were not Kohanim. There were certain roles that they had. 
and those roles were very specific. So when Paul is talking again about the body or the living stones, he is referring back to what was there that they understood that, yes, the Levites were called from a set-apart people, and from the set-apart people were called the sons of Aaron. And within that, there were certain Levites who had to function to carry the utensils. They all had various functions, and those various functions were very different. They were not to be polluted or crossed over because if it did, when it says that the stranger should not be able to partake of these things that the sons of Aaron partake of, he was referring to the other Levites that couldn't partake. Amen. So when we understand that, then we don't try to backbite and fight one another for positions of glory because, like Yeshua said, that's the way of the world. You're not supposed to be that way. (laughs) So I love here what Hosea is saying and the writer of 1 Peter is drawing from it to make a point to the people that Hosea is talking to, the same group of people. And he tells you here who it is. He says, call her name Lo-Ruamah, for no longer do I have compassion. On who? The house of Israel, so as to forgive them at all. But he did forgive them through the blood of the Lamb. The, The blood of the Lamb is what brought that salvation in. So, Who's Isaiah speaking to when he says, you will be called a priest? Who is First Peter talking to when he says, you're a chosen royal priesthood? Especially since he's making the connection with Hosea about Lo-Ruami and, and the compassion and, and uh, not a people. This is astounding. He's speaking to the house of Israel. That's who these people are. That's who you are. You are the house of Israel. We're going to, the last couple of slides. For this, there's no you here in this verse, at this particular point. For this, we're called because Messiah also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who being reviled, did not revile in return. Hmm. Imagine what no revile in the assembly would be like. Hmm. Suffering did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our punishment in his body on the timber, so that we, having died to punishment, might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed or returned. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to Shuva, to the shepherd and overseer of your lives. Man, I'm so glad that I've returned. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Yes, brother. I was, after the 27, 30 years of uh, Israel being in exile and us coming back under covenant again, uh, one of the things I noticed first was to me the continual, and I see the importance, but it's so, like when I was in the Middle East for many years, they always have the five calls, (laughs) prayer, and everybody, everything stops and how that shuts down merchandising and industry. And that's kind of what Yeshua, twice when he cleansed the temple, and he went in there with passion, whipping, why have you made my house of prayer, the temple, our body, that's right, into a place of merchandise, which yes. is the enemy's goal right now yes. with all this 
you, we know what's going on without having to say Absolutely. it, change it into that yep. place of merchandise. Yep. So very, yep. very key to understand how that all. Yes, sir. Indeed. Yes, Mike. Um, I was just going to add to what Paulie and Paul were talking about, about how when he calls us to go out, we don't go out as individuals. He goes, sends us out as a group. That's right. And we all have, you know, and, it, and it, what they were saying reminded me of what Paul was speaking of in Romans 12, how we as a body, we all have different parts. We're all from different parts, but we all, and we all serve a different function. And not one function is better or worse than another, but rather we should be supporting in and uplifting another as a body. And then as we go out as the body of Yeshua, and he is able to use us to minister to those who are in the world so that we might be a light <laughs> to the nations. Amen. Well said. We're going to go back to Exodus 29, 44. And I shall set apart the tent of meeting in the altar, and Aharon and his sons I set apart to serve me as priests. The Greek word here is hagiazo. Now watch what it means to be set apart in the, in the, by the Greek word that's used. To purify, to cleanse externally, to purify Levitically, to purify by expiation. Were you purified through expiation? Yeah, you were. Messiah says so. Free from the guilt of punishment. To purify internally by reformation of soul through the knowledge of the very thing the enemy wants everyone to say it's done away with. Oh, don't, don't know that Torah stuff because then you'll be sanctified through it, as Yeshua says. In John 17, 17, sanctify them in my truth. Your word is the truth. Don't, don't get involved in that Torah stuff or we'll have sanctified people walk around empowered by the Holy Spirit. They'll get unified and they'll have power. Don't let that happen. Let's keep division in the assembly so that it won't happen like God wants it to happen. Because I guarantee you, when six million people were walking through the desert and Balak saw that, he got scared. He said, I got to get somebody to curse these people. That's power in unity. So my question again, have you been set apart? If yes, then you have been set apart for service and not of your own, but of his service. So let's look at our profit portion 61 one more time as we close. Why don't you stand with me? I forgot to read John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. <laughs> as soon as you come to know the Torah, the world wants to hate you. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I, I want to go to somewhere else on that, but I won't. But to keep them for, from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth, for your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them, just as the Levites are being through the process of sanctification, we're being sanctified and being sent into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in the Torah. From the Master's lips. What's his purpose? to sanctify you in the Torah 
so that you could be an amazing vessel in the kingdom against the adversary. So Isaiah 61, 6 says this. This is our prophet portion. But you shall be called priests of Yahuwah, servants of our Elohim, shall be said of you. You shall consume the strength. By the way, you talked about the fighting in the fellowships. That's not serving one another, is it? So they can't be called servants of Elohim because they're fighting one another. You shall consume the strength of the Gentiles. Now this word Gentiles here is referring to a negative connotation of the godless. You will consume the strength of the godless. Now I don't know how that looks or what that's going to be like, but it sounds powerful. (laughs) It sounds very powerful and very bad for the godless. And you will boast in and boast in their esteem. But why? Now what's the esteem is going to come from the godless esteeming you because they see what's in you, the light that's in you, the work that's in you. They see the set of partners in you. You're different than everyone else. And I'm going to go up to verse 3. It says, They shall be called trees of righteousness. Ooh, I see some oaks here. A planting of Yahweh to be adorned. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They, this is referring to the northern kingdom folks, they will raise up the former wastes, and they shall restore the ruined cities, the wastes of many generations, because it's 2,700 years that the northern kingdom's territory has been laid waste. For I, Yahuwah, love right ruling, I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I shall give their reward in truth and make an everlasting covenant with them. So how long is the covenant that he's just now made with you? How long is it? (laughs) And their seed shall be known among the godless. Wow. How amazing that is that your kids are going to be known among the godless people. What a crazy thing. Your offspring in the midst of the peoples will be known. All who see you all shall acknowledge you all that they are the seed that Yahweh has blessed. Wow. What a promise. Now see, I won't be disappointed. I won't be ashamed because the promise he tells me here, he's not going to disappoint me. I'm going to see that fulfilled in my eyes and we're all going to walk it out. Let's praise the Almighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory be to your name. Father, we thank you for the word today. The the examples you gave us about the Levites and and the apostles and us and how everything is connected about the sanctification, the baptism, why it all had to happen like it did. It's so obvious now. We thank you for revealing to us, showing us not only that why it had to happen, but who it had to happen to and what the role for us is, what we're to do. Thank you for bringing an assembly together that is loving you in unity, that wants to stay in harmony that wants to stay in echad with you and with each other, to lift each other up, to strengthen one another as we've got a mighty task ahead of us. We glorify you and praise you. In your son, Yahushua's name, we give thanks. Amen. Now we get to say, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Hey!
Thank you, everyone online for joining us. Thank you all here. Stay and eat. Blessed time of worship and fellowship. This is how we get unified. Shabbat Shalom.